Hello and welcome to this GCP short produced in collaboration with friends of the podcast AXA XL. We have been fortunate to produce a series of episodes recently focusing on the Asia Pacific captive market and links to those previous episodes are in the show notes. But this time we are going to focus specifically on the design, implementation and management of international insurance programs which include a captive for corporates in the region. Our two expert speakers for the next 15 minutes or so are Xiuwei Jin, Global Program and Captive Regional Director for APAC at AXA XL and Diana Accordi, Global Advisory Practice Leader in Asia for Marsh. We go on to discuss what support captives and their corporate sponsors require from multinational program partners, the importance of a defined strategy and objectives from the start, and the necessity to constantly review how a program is operating regularly. But Shiwei begins by telling me about the increased interest in multinational insurance programs from corporates in the region. Thank you very much, Richard, for the question. I think we definitely have seen more interest in across the whole APAC for both the captives as well as the global programs. And in particular, the combination of the captive together with a global program for global fronting programs. For the captive side, uh, we have seen on both the single parent captive setup as well as uh, the protected cell captive. But also we see more interest for existing captives to expand their use into new lines of business or stepping and step up for their capacity as well. When it comes to global programs, we see in the past some of those are regional programs with uh, US or the uh, Europe part being standalone outside the program or uh, vice versa. But now we see also a trend with the hardening market, especially for multinational to globalize its a program so that the client can have not only the full control of the global program placement, but also a better hand of uh, plugging their captive into their global programs so that they can utilize their own capacity across the whole globe. Yeah, sure. It definitely sounds uh, familiar from other conversations I've had uh, with people in the region as well. Diana, what do you think is is driving that interest to that move to kind of more centralized uh, multinational programs? Yeah, definitely. As Shiwei mentioned, obviously, the interest on client expanding and also, you know, having more control. And as my colleague Stuart Herbert, as he was on, on the podcast earlier this year, as he mentioned, definitely the current market conditions. So hardening market, particularly in property and financial lines, looking at trying to get as much capacity as possible, try to mitigate all these prices increasing. And also companies where, you know, perhaps we've been talking about captive solutions for years and they were not ready for it now you know they're really considering as an option right and it goes hand in hand with global program solutions i totally agree with Shiwei on this and some of the drivers are obviously during the pandemic people are pausing and looking at what they have how much they're spending is is this the the right structure for them or do they need to think outside the box? So we had a number of inquiries, you know, in terms of captives, but also, you know, regional and global programs, particularly across APEC. And, you know, it's definitely something that will continue to increase in the coming months. 
obviously when clients are putting these uh, large multinational programs together, Shiway, they need to choose one or, or possibly more uh, fronting partners. What what do clients typically want from a, a global fronting program or global fronting partner for their captive? Thank you, Richard. I think first, if we look at what they want from a global captive fronting program, ultimately the client wants a captive fronting program that can meet their risk financing objectives very efficiently. But if we boil it down to four areas, and then from these four areas, we can also see how they what they want from their captive fronting partner. The first area I would say is uh, from the structuring perspective to maximize their risk transfer with the traditional insurance market. So then they're looking for a partner which can work with them to look into different options so that they can really work out where the captive would be bestly utilized for their capacity as well as uh, most efficiently money-wise. So this could be including which we typically say step in, step up for the lines, especially Diana just mentioned in APAC property as well as a financial lines. In particular, we hear a lot of discussion regarding cyber, regarding certain, um, you know, even looking to the DNO side, etc. And the second part, which will be the fronting cost. So of course, when they look at the uh, fronting carrier, they would look into their best use of uh, the fronting cost to get the best of uh, what they pay. And uh, the fronting cost actually is also related to some other related costs, such as a collateral requirement. Because when we talk about collateral, it includes some soft collateral, such as parent guarantee, but also sometimes, especially in this market, depending on which line of business and also which country involved in the global programs, then a hard collateral, typically a letter of credit or surety bond may be required. But sometimes it's related to the structure as well. Say the client would have a, a higher line and then there is a reinsurance behind. And if it's critical for the client, in a, uh, instead of a net line retention, then the fronting carriers would also look into measures like deed of assignment to see whether they can get the direct access to the reinsurance market to mitigate their credit risk. Third area I would say is the money movement. Basically, it is uh, how much I can get as a captive and how quickly I can get it. And that's that's very, very important to have that transparency as well as uh, the certainty. As uh, If we say, okay, a captive, let's take example, premium is 10 million. That doesn't mean a captive can get 10 million because when it comes to global programs, typically there could be local retention by the local insurer, by the uh, designated local reinsurance market, and there are various deductions cost in addition to the fronting cost that might occur, such as a reinsurance tax or government levy, etc. So what you have for the captive premium will not be exactly what you get really as a reinsurer, a captive as a reinsurer. So that transparency and certainty is very important. The last one I would say is claims, as a people might very much thinking of the front end. But why we are having this is to get our claims paid fairly and quickly. So the claims aside, it's a both the protocol itself. The captive clients would like to have a very clear protocol. What would happen? 
if a claims happen, how the captive can be engaged in which way, and also what kind of a services on the ground there would be. And then also from a financial perspective, it's critical for the uh, captive to get accurate reserve and timely information on those so that they can make sure their financials reflect their claims experience as well. Diana, Shiwei mentioned uh, a few of these areas, I think, already, but from a broker's perspective, what support do clients want to have from their their multiple uh, fronting partners? Definitely, they want to see the capabilities, the carry, the fronting partner capabilities, obviously taking into consideration the license that they have in, in every country where clients have presence, the flexibility. So we talked a lot about fronting costs and also the, all the variables and the, uh, the premium remittance, so the cash flow, how quickly can you get the money out of the country, the exportability, particularly in Asia, we are one of the regions with the largest amount of session retention reserves, all things that hold up premiums in country, right? And it's going to delay a little bit the process to get everything back to the captive and the other reinsurance panel if there is one. So definitely the flexibility, the cost, you know, uh, Shiwei rightly mentioned the collateral. So obviously there's going to be a cost for, for our clients here. And so the commercial relationship, right? So looking at the all key areas and making sure that we meet our client's requirements and the prompt response to the servicing, you know, very keys, particularly after we uh, we bind the program is issuance certificate, the policies, the premium invoices, because we have the fronting program in place to have a vehicle for our client A to be compliant and also to have to be able to pay claims into the country. So going back to what Shiwei was mentioned, contrast certainty is extremely important. And also we need to have a prompt solution for that, making sure that all these policies are in place, you know, ideally within 30 days. And obviously also making sure that the premium comes back to the captive and the other insurers as quickly as possible. So obviously these large programs are, you know, quite complex. There's a lot of moving parts to, to make them work smoothly. Shiway, how important is it then for the clients to have a defined strategy and, and objective uh, for the global program? And then how do you manage expectations related to that? The strategy and the plan is critical because sometimes the particular clients might have a particular request. It could be related to their wording, manuscript wording or non-standard requirements. It could be how quickly they need to pay their reinsurers. So they would have a, a very clear uh, demand on how the money movement should be. Some of those are absolutely critical for them to export as much as possible. So all of those requirements need to be clearly outlined in the preparation period with the broker, with the fronting carrier, so that anything such as uh, the manuscript wording localization, such as uh, early confirmation, if possible, on the local retention, as well as uh, how the money movement can be as quick as possible. Those plans can be clearly outlined among the three parties. So it's like before we go to the game, we have a clear game plan. Each party, what are your individual actions? What are the dependency? Because sometimes, um, I think Diana mentioned, which is absolutely critical, that is a service level. The policy implementation, because in many countries, unless it's cash before cover, you can't get your invoice until you have your policy. Many countries, it goes together. 
So if you don't, but in many countries, again, some countries, they require policies to be uh, reviewed and confirmed by the broker or the client. Then if we don't have that clear outline, the plan, then when it comes to that, it will be delays on the local level, either pre-issuance requirements cannot be met, or there are some misunderstanding on what is required from the unsigned. And then it's much better to have a solid plan covering all the details that each party know what we need to do rather than playing catch up once the clock start ticking. So um, what are the key implementation requirements, uh, Diana, and milestones to consider when putting a, a, a global program in place? So we need to be aligned in terms of the strategy with the client. We need to understand, you know, what are the key objectives to start with, you know, whether it's compliance, corporate governance, price driven, and making sure that obviously it reflects the business model as well. So pre-band communication planning is absolutely key. And including, you know, if we talk about global programs, global fronted programs with a captive, you know, having the fronting agreement in place or insurance agreements in place as well, and making sure that all the topics that we talked about earlier, um, wishy way as well, the cash flow, the fronting fee, the collaterals, all these elements are taken into consideration because particularly for clients that are now considering captives and fronting programs for the first time is a slightly new concept for them. And there are some extra steps that need to be followed and need to be considered compared to a traditional global program. So uh, things like premium allocation, fronting costs, making sure that it's the cash flow movement, you know, what's the timeline, uh, what she mentioned about local policies, confirmation as well from the local insured, you know, it adds an extra step. And also making sure that Clients also know that not all policies issued by a fronting carrier will be the same as the master policy. There will be policies there will be issued on a good local standard. So there will be some difference in wordings and that needs to be addressed, perhaps with a DSCDIL or financial interest clause, depending on the situation, depending on, you know, uh, the client's preference as well. So everything pre-binding, everything needs to be explained extremely clearly to the client. And once we have the objective set and a strategy, that's where we bring in our our fronting partners and to talk this through and making sure that we are aligned on the plan. And in terms of post-binding as well, there's a lot of things to be considered, but as a priority, obviously, the, the, the countries where we want fronting policies to be issued, the cash before cover, needs to be pre-agreed in advance, uh, extremely important because otherwise we cannot incept the policy. Uh, and on that, you know, countries like India, for example, that are going through a lot of issues at the moment with the pandemic, we, we need to, you know, monitor these countries very, very closely. And also making sure that we are in full agreement and pre-agreed session retention reserves and trying to mitigate, for example, FX gains and, and losses that there could be potentially after the renewal. So all of these things, um, you know, is not straightforward, but we've done the, this, you know, for a number of years. So we have plans in place, but the key to start with is having, understanding the client's needs and have a really well-defined strategy. So Shuei, just just lastly then, once the program is uh, in place, obviously we discussed there's, there's a lot to think about in terms of getting the program in place. What's the kind of next move in terms of constantly reviewing the program, you know, making sure they're working as as the client and the partners expect them to work and what needs to be monitored to ensure it continues to be fit for purpose. 
So we need to look into that continuous improvement of the monitoring from three aspects. So from the program implementation, and that's absolutely critical uh, as soon as the, uh, the bound of the program starts. So that it, we would recommend usually, especially for the first year onboarding, to have a weekly regular review so that all the three parties we have fully synchronized and be aware of the implementation of the local policies as well as the priority countries such as a cash before cover or certain countries that has a, a contractual requirement to be issued as soon as possible ever since the program has found and then the second part is uh, the captive particular one that is the captive reporting from both premium as well as a claim side. So claim including both the recovery as well as the reserves. So that from a captive financial perspective, they are closely monitoring the situation as well. And lastly is uh, really on the claims management itself so that we can see how the claim protocol is fit for purpose. And this whole communication chain, as well as a decision-making chain is also fit for purpose as well. And that is uh, what we would recommend to continue to monitor for the captive funding program. But what's even more important is uh, if you look at a longer time frame, because that's within each year, right? But if you look at a longer time frame, that for captive funding uh, program, it's critical to start early for the renew so that the captive, the carrier, as well as the, uh, the brokers, they can review their current strategy, their current structure, whether that's still fit for purpose and whether any options should be discussed and should be improved. And that would really helpful for captive to look into whether they need to step up for any uh, lines of business or whether they could change their strategy and to see whether there are other or better options from the traditional risk transfer market. So I very much see it's like, I always say global programs is like uh, rowing. It's either a dragon boat rowing or a Olympic kind of uh, those type of rowing that is three parties need to be clearly communicating with each other and they have a clear game plan. And also after every move, uh, every kind of a uh, drive, they, they reconnect, they review what is wrong, what is better, how to revise something so that they always can have a better goal in the next round. Well, thank you to Shiwei and Diana for a very informative discussion on the growing uptake of multinational programs in Asia Pacific. You can find further information on both our guests and friends of the podcast AXA XL and their captive services on the globalcaptivepodcast.com website and there are links in the show notes as well. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives. Mm-hmm.